So if you weren't here last weekend and uh, you're kind of new around here and you're wondering, who's that guy? Um, my name is Grant. I'm the teaching pastor here at Christ the King. I've been gone for three months. Last weekend was my first weekend back. And last week I shared an intensely personal story of how God met me on a roadside on Orcas Island and said some things to me that shocked me and, and kind of moved my world and, and flipped me upside down. And, and I shared it with, with a fair degree of intensity. I think I may have scared a few people. Um, and with a lot of emotion because that's just, that's just who I am. And this week we're going to continue. If you didn't get a chance to hear last week, I hope you'll go back online and just kind of get caught up very, very quickly. But because of last week, I want to start off this week saying this, my name is Grant and I hear voices. <laughs> and some of you are like, I knew there was something freaky about that guy. Some of the voices that I hear, I absolutely love. I can pick out my wife's voice in, in, in a crowd of thousands because it's Laurel's. I can pick out Braden and McKenna's voices from the midst of hundreds of students. It's just, I just know my kids' voices. Some of the voices that I hear, I absolutely love. Some of the voices that I hear, I hate. Before I left on sabbatical, I heard an arrogant voice in the back of my head that asked a question. What if the church struggles while you're gone? It's arrogant. I heard an insecure voice ask, what if it does better while you're gone? I heard a, a fearful voice because I'm a people person that asked, what, what if nobody misses you? What are you going to do with that? I heard, a, I, I heard an evil voice say, but they'd be better off without you anyway. I hear voices. When, when I returned from sabbatical, I heard voices. I heard some affirming voices. Man, this has been great and good for you and good for the church and all the rest of it. I hear other voices too because I know something. Where there are people, there are problems and so I heard other voices. And all week long, I've been on a mission to not allow anybody or anyone's voice to steal the joy and the peace that I've acquired over the last three months. And I've spent my week doing something that I think we all try to do at some level. We just try to push all of the voices aside so that the only voice we can hear is God. I hear voices and I don't think I'm alone. Last week, we met a tired prophet. And we took his story and we matched it alongside of the story of a tired pastor. And, and, and we met this guy named Elijah. And we're going to be with Elijah until God tells us to move on. So for all I know, you may as well get used to reading 1 Kings 19 because we might be there till Christmas for all I know. Elijah had seen God at his best, but we met Elijah at his worst. And we're spending time with Elijah because I believe Elijah experienced and desired what we all want. We just want God to talk. Just talking, we talked about how some of us elevate the, this idea that if God doesn't talk to me in, a, in an audible voice, that none of the other ways that He can speak to us count. And we saw in Elijah the quest that we all have. So we began with a premise last week. Let me remind you of what it was. God is continually and creatively speaking to His children. We started with that premise. If we don't start there, it's really hard to even believe that God talks at all. So we started with the premise and I'm going to add to that premise this week. God is continually and creatively speaking to His children, and yet we often choose to listen to the competing voices instead of tuning our ear to the quiet whisper. 
Last week we opened our Bibles to 1 Kings and we started in chapter 17, then we jumped to chapter 18, then we ended up in chapter 19. I want to encourage you, if you want to bring a Bible along with you from week to week so you can find out whether or not I'm telling you the truth or not, that would be good. It'd also be great to learn how to handle the sword of God in your own hand. I think that's positive. We began to unpack the story, and we heard the voice of God in 1 Kings 17. We started with the story. Elijah's out on his own. There's been a famine in the land. He needs food. He's hungry. So God provides, and he uses birds, ravens, to actually feed him, which is crazy. That's a miracle because ravens are scavengers. They don't share with anybody. And in that experience, God was speaking. I'll provide all you need, Elijah. And then God does a miracle. He actually has Elijah live with his little family, a widow and her son, and, and, and they're running out of food, and, and God provides this little jar of oil that never seems to run empty. And all through that experience, God is speaking, saying, I'm a God of miracles, Elijah. And then the little boy dies, and God uses Elijah to actually bring him back to life again. And God speaks again to Elijah, I'm the God of life and death, Elijah. Then we jump into chapter 18 and we hear God speaking again and we find Elijah up on the top of this mountain having a conflict with 450 prophets of a false god named Baal. And God shows up in, in power and he states, I'm a God of strength. And then he puts this little G-God Baal to shame and God shouts, I'm a God of victory. I mean, he shows up and he wins the battle. He wins the day and he triumphs in that moment. And all that while, Elijah's been praying and I believe quietly, God keeps saying over and over again, I hear you. I'm a God who hears. And then because there's been a famine in the land, Elijah begins to pray and God does a miracle. He breaks the famine. It's a really cool story. You, you should read it sometime. First Kings 18, how God all of a sudden shows this little tiny cloud, the size of a fist shows up in the sky. And it begins to grow and it begins to multiply. And all the while, God is speaking, saying, I'm the God of nature. Nature does what I tell it to do. My favorite part of 1 Kings 18 is at the end of this conflict. The Bible says the Holy Spirit, of, the Holy Spirit comes on Elijah. And Elijah literally outruns a chariot all the way back to this city. You know what I love about that? Because God is saying, I'm a God of speed. I like things that go fast. And then Elijah gets scared. And he runs off into the wilderness. And last week we saw this beautiful moment when the God of heaven comes to the tired prophet. And these are his biblical, godly, holy words to everyone who's tired and had enough. Have a snack and take a nap. Some of you need to do that. All the while, God's speaking. And yet he comes off of this mountaintop experience, and because of one threat from one person, he's running for his life. And he runs into the wilderness driven by some ugly voices. Why are we learning this? Because I think we hear every single one of the voices that Elijah heard. He gets driven out into the wilderness, and yet God meets him in the wilderness. And the Bible says this, And the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? That question implies two facts. Prophet, you are in the wrong place at the wrong time. You're not supposed to be out here in the wilderness. You had a job to do back there. And I get it, you're scared, but you ran into the wilderness. Another way of asking the question, what brought you here, Elijah? What's amazing is this. Even though Elijah is running from God, he ends up on a geographic location called Mount Horeb. 
If you read your Old Testament, God's got a thing about that particular mountain. He keeps showing up there. So even though Elijah's running away from God, he actually runs to God's territory. Has anybody else in the room learned the biblical truth that if you run from God, He will chase you? He just does. But while he's running, Elijah's hearing voices. And I think we all hear these voices from time to time. The Bible tells us Elijah hears the voice of fear. Chapter 19, verse 3, it says, Elijah was afraid, there it is, and ran for his life. I mean, he forgets everything God's done for him, how God protected him, how God saved him. He just has a human moment and he runs. Anybody else ever done that before? I have. I've spent most of my life running. We get scared. We feel alone. And so we make this this jump in our brain. God must have left me. And so we just flee into the wilderness because the obstacles of our life are just too big right now. Here's the voice of fear. Then here's the voice of defeat. Chapter 19, verse 4. I've had enough, Lord. Boy, have I ever said that. I've had enough. If you've ever said, I'm down. Uh, You know, I'm done. I'm out. I give up. I'm going back to my old life because honestly, my old life was easier than you have heard this voice. If you've ever just wanted to quit, you've heard this voice. If you've ever come to that heartbreaking moment in your life when you actually consider that it would be better to die than live, you've heard that voice. I told you at the beginning of this series that it was going to become intensely personal. I've heard that voice. I've heard the voice of Satan speak directly to me as a young man saying, the world would be better off if you were dead. If you're here today and you are literally hanging by a thread and you can hear a voice putting thoughts into your mind that basically say the world would be a better place if you weren't here. You should just die. Can I, can I talk to you for just a second as somebody who's been there? Because it's a scary place to be. I had a moment when I felt like that it would be a better alternative if Grant was just gone. And in that moment... I heard God say something to me, and if this can be an encouragement to you, my hope and prayer is that if you don't get anything else this weekend, would you take this with you? I tried to fight that voice off with everything that I had. I tried to pray against it. I tried to live against it. I tried to preach against it. I did everything that I could. And then God turned a light on for me. If you ever hear Satan, the enemy of your soul, say to you, the world would be a better place if you were dead. If you are a follower of Christ, this should be the most biblical, comprehensive response that you can ever have. If the devil ever says to you, you deserve to die, you should be dead. As a follower of the Most High God, this is what you say in response. I already am dead. For I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but he that lives within me. Satan, you can't kill a corpse. So in the name of Jesus, under the authority of the blood shed on the cross, shut your mouth and leave, because I don't need to listen to that garbage coming out of you. 
That's what you say. Elijah hears the voice of self-sufficiency. Verse 19, or chapter 19, verse 10. I've been very zealous for the Lord God. We say that, don't we? But I've worked really hard for you, God. I did everything you asked. I got nothing in return. I asked to hear you, and you got quiet. I asked you to show up. You left me hanging. I told you what I need, and guess what? I still need it. What kind of God are you? You sleep at the wheel? Fine then. I'll do it on my own. Famous last words. It's the voice of self-sufficiency. Here's another tough one. How about the voice of contempt? Listen to what he says next. The Israelites. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. Those lousy Israelites. Those people that you sent me to that don't listen to anybody. They're just a whole other level of bad. I mean, when's the punishment going to rain down on those guys? And we're so quick to go, oh man, that's a bad thing, Elijah. You shouldn't hold people in contempt. Have you ever found yourself saying, those co-workers of mine, ugh. That boss of mine, ugh. How about this one? That family of mine. We tried to do a family camp out, and we experienced World War III. That family of mine, ugh. Those kids of mine, ugh. Those friends of mine. That's contempt. You know, contempt for others is often accompanied by contempt for ourselves, right? You ever found yourself saying, I just don't think I deserve God's love. Amazing grace is for everybody else, but I don't think it's for me. I can't change. I'm a loser. You know what contempt does? It sneers at you. Contempt for others, contempt for ourselves often leads us to contempt for God. God, you don't know what you're doing. You failed me. I'm out. And just like the prophet, we run. Even though God's been faithful, we refuse to trust Him. We listen to another voice, the voice of deceit. Chapter 19, verse 10. Elijah makes an interesting little statement. He goes, I'm the only one left. Do you hear the isolation in that? That's a primary tool of the enemy. If I could just split up this group of Jesus followers, I could pick them off one at a time. Satan thrives in isolation. And we believe that, right? I'm all alone. Even though we've heard the voice of God say, I will never leave you or forsake you, we believe in the deceitful voice that isolates us and pushes us off to the side. Now, it's true. Elijah was the only prophet left, but he was not the only one. Not the only believer. In fact, 1 Kings 18 Starting at verse 38 says, on the top of Mount Carmel, God sends fire. And the Bible says this, when all of the people saw this, so everybody that was watching, they fell prostrate and said, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Apparently, Elijah believed a voice that said, you're alone, instead of remembering that revival just broke out on Mount Carmel. How are you lying to yourself today? How are you doing, John? I'm fine. Sure? Are you sure? What line of lies are you listening to? You're all alone. Nobody gets you. Your sin falls in a different category. God could never forgive somebody like you. 
Are you listening to that voice? Here's another voice. It's the voice of loss. Let me read the whole little prayer that Elijah says when God says, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Elijah had lost hope. Elijah had lost faith. Elijah had lost his purpose because he allowed the voices that were screaming in his head to drown out what God was saying. This is what I love about this story. The prophet freaks out. The prophet runs. God chases him. Even though the voices drove him out into the wilderness, even though he was being disobedient, God keeps talking. God keeps speaking to him. Verse 11, here it comes. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Okay, let's just stop there for a moment because I had a number of people last weekend stop me after we read 1 Kings for the very first time, and and the question kind of went like this. Uh, Isn't it in the storms and the disasters that we want God to speak the loudest? I mean, I had a brave guy walk up to me. Uh... I just read that again. Don't I want God in the earthquake? Don't I want God in the wind? Don't I want God to be in the fire? I mean, don't you, right? Your world's flipping upside down. I I admitted last week, sabbatical break, beautiful rest. But at the same time, man, we had storms going on inside of our family. Life was rough. We were getting blown this direction and blown that direction. I mean, you, you kind of would look at that and go, I want God in that stuff. Okay, let's not skip this truth, okay? This passage is not saying God does not do storms. I know it's a double negative. English teachers, forgive me, okay? It's not saying He doesn't do storms. According to the rest of the Bible, God does storms. I mean, the reality is God enters into the storms of our lives and His abiding presence is always there. Even though we can't see Him, He's there. Even though we may not be able to hear Him, He's there. I mean, over and over and over again. You know, sometimes God creates a storm in order to draw people towards Himself. Other times He calms a person who's inside of a storm and lets the storm rage. Other times, God shows up in the middle of a storm and says, excuse me, storm, zip it, and it gets really quiet. God seems to have a thing for storms. This passage is not saying that God does not do storms. If you read it, it says in this account that the earthquake and the wind and the fire were just precursors of the glory of God. God was there revealing Himself to Elijah. You know, this is why I think this is so beautiful. I think up until the point when it got really quiet, I think God just understood that Elijah had had enough boom. Have you had enough boom in your life? I mean, have you had enough explosions? Have you had all that other stuff? Because God's all of a sudden going to get very, very creative in the way that He speaks to Elijah. Because the Bible says, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. 
When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him again, what are you doing here, Elijah? Can we just ask the question for a second? Why a whisper? Why? I believe God uses a whisper because a whisper is only heard when the person who's whispering is extremely, if not uncomfortably, close. Right there. Not in the boom, not in the wind, not in the fire, just right there, whispering. It's amazing. When my kids were small enough to carry, I used to love to carry them kind of up here, tucked on my shoulder. Because I could say things to them that nobody else could hear. I used to love to whisper to my kids, Daddy's got you. I'm right here. I won't drop you. You can trust me. I love you when you're laughing. I love you when you're crying. I love you when you're whining because you're mine. My little boy, my little girl, I used to love to whisper. What is it? in us that makes us, as we grow older, kind of get weirded out when somebody tries to whisper something to us? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, I don't want anything warm coming out of your body touching my ear. You know, it's like, <laughs> I got an 18-inch buffer right here, and you need to stay out there, right? You know, somebody's just like, no, I got to tell you something. It's like, ah, write it down, write it down, right? <laughs> I watch here sometimes, you know, husbands and wives, you're trying to whisper something to each other in church and be discreet. It's hilarious. One person whispers, and the other person's like, well, I don't know, you know? <laughs> in order to whisper, you have to be within inches of the ear, uncomfortably close. None of the other spectacles cause Elijah to cover his face, but when the whisper comes, Elijah knows who's speaking. He knows exactly who's speaking. So he leans in because he realizes he's in the presence of the Most High God, the God of Mount Carmel, the God of creation, the God of earth, wind, and fire. And no, I'm not talking about the 70s group, okay? He's listening to the God of justice and the God of grace. And God has another question. What are you doing here, Elijah? How'd you get here? Here's the heart of the passage. It's just a very simple truth. This passage is saying that the quiet voice of grace calls us to repentance and obedience. Even though the voices spend all week trying to push us away from God, this passage is saying God loves us so much He's willing to get uncomfortably close in order to call us back to Himself. Elijah just got off track. Is that where you are today? You just get off track? Who have you been listening to all week, church? Some of you spent the whole week listening to the voice of gossip. How'd that work for you? Some of you spent all week long listening to the voice of contempt. You spent all week, oh, those people, oh, those people, all oh, those people. Are, are you in a beautiful place of peace today because of that voice? Some of you heard the voice of deceit. You're all alone. Nobody cares. Nobody gives a rip, especially God. Didn't that just lead you to such a beautiful place? Did you get to Psalm 23? Are you sitting beside quiet waters because you listened to that voice all week long? Church, what voice are you listening to? Here's my question for you. Are you going to show contempt towards the gentle whisper that's trying to get your attention even right now? 
We show contempt for the voice of God when we try to drown Him out, when we turn up the volume of our life so that we can't hear Him. We show contempt for the voice of God when we don't trust what's going to come. Because like we talked about last week, right? You heard me say this statement. I often want to hear God until He speaks. Because I'm terrified of what He might say. Because we get this idea in our head. If God talks, I know what's coming. He's going to send me to the other side of the world. I'm going to have to live in a dung hut with a yak. I mean, it's not going to be good for me at all. I know what God's going to say. God's going to say, I have to love my sister-in-law. No way. I mean, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to go there because, forgive, no way. I'm not even interested in that. God's going to tell me that i got to do something hard. I'm going to have to press into, into, into my character. He's going to like lean into me over and over and over again. So instead of listening to the quiet whisper, knowing that God is going to call me to another level of holiness and righteousness, instead, I'm going to plug my ears and drown out His voice and show contempt for God's whisper. God calls him to repent. Paul talked about this in Romans chapter 2. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? It's the gentle whisper that does not condemn us, that simply says, you've been listening to the wrong voice all week. Come home. Tune in. God speaking. Last week we anchored ourselves in the story of 1 Kings. We also anchored ourselves in John chapter 10. Jesus speaking, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. Can I tell you something? Those are very strong words said in an unbelievably gentle way by Jesus. Because if you read those verses, I'm going to tell you, they will cut through churchianity they will cut through suburbanity. They will cut through easy believism and cheap grace. This is a statement of discipleship right here, and it will prompt an unsettling question. If I'm not listening or following, how in the world can I call myself one of God's sheep? Some of you are freaking out right now because they're like, oh, I, I've never heard him. What is that? I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to do with that. Hold on. Elijah got off track. I mean, can't we all say we've been there and done that? Elijah listened to the voices of the enemy and he ended up running when he should have stayed put. Haven't we all been there? Some level, sometime. Now Elijah hears the voice of God calling him home. My prayer is that that's what you'll hear and listen to today. I don't care what happened on your Friday. I don't care what happened on your Saturday. All I know is it's His kindness that leads us to repentance. I believe God is calling our church to a new place of humble obedience, and with that obedience comes a promise. I was wandering through the book of Deuteronomy this past week. Don't ask me why. And God spoke through a beautiful promise. If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all of His commandments that I command you today. And the Lord your God will set you high above all of the nations on earth. And all of these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Like I said last week, the goal of this series is not to get you to hear an audible voice. It's to understand that God speaks in various ways and at various times. And so much more than just hearing Him, the question is, will you obey? Will you obey?
For those of you who are in the room who are kind of freaking out right now, going, I've, ne- I, I've wanted to hear God my whole life. I just never have. Remember what we learned last week? It's, we can exalt the audible voice to a place where we just completely disregard all of the other creative ways that God may be speaking to us. So if you say you've never heard from God before, can we change that right now? Can we remove your never for the rest of your life? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. That's God speaking. I will never leave you or forsake you. That's God speaking. Husbands, love your wives. God speaking. Wives, respect your husbands. That's God speaking. Children, obey your parents. <laughs> That's God speaking. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. It's God speaking. Bear one another's burdens. It's God speaking. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. It's God speaking. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. That's God speaking. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. That's God speaking. Don't ever say that God has never spoken to you. He just did. In case you're wondering if it's all just butterflies and roses. And on that day, many will say, Lord, Lord. And the Lord will reply, depart from me. I don't know you. God speaking. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. They follow me. Like I said, I have no idea when God's going to tell us to move on from this story. Next week, I said this is going to be intensely personal. I'm going to share something next week that I'm not sure I've ever shared publicly before. Because honestly, it's a little interesting. And I know next week is the, the final weekend of the Northwest Washington Fair. And and you're going to eat stuff you should not eat all week long. And you're going to go on spinny rides that you should have stopped riding when you were 13. And, and you're going to inhale dust from a demolition derby, which I think is godly because God likes speed. Um, and, uh, and I know that some of you are going to, you know, it's going to be super, super tired. 
why don't you just come next weekend and watch me squirm, okay? That'll be worth the price of admission because we're going to get really personal as we continue a journey of simply wanting God to speak. I don't know what God is saying to you today. I know that it's creative and that His timing is perfect because that's what Hebrews tells us, right? In various ways, in various times, God spoke to our forefathers. Now He's speaking to us too. And like last weekend, it just seems absolutely foolish to me. It would border on spiritual malpractice to talk about hearing from God and then never having and giving ourselves an opportunity to do exactly that. So I'm going to ask Ryan and the band to come and join us. I know Scripture kept talking about a gentle whisper and, 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 and we made a big deal about the fact that sometimes it's hard to hear God in the midst of the boom. We're going to actually create a bit of a boom when we sing our second to last song because we're going to, we're going to make a declaration. Sometimes you just have to tell God out loud what you're hungry for. Because this is what I know. Are, are you really hungry to hear God's voice? Are you thirsty for His presence? Maybe you need to tell Him that. God, I'm parched. God, I feel weak. God, I, I need you to speak to me in a way that I've never experienced before. So we're going to have a declaration time. We're going to sing. We are hungry. That's a declaration. I want to encourage you to verbalize what may be the, one of the base desires of your heart, to hear God. And it's not going to be super quiet. We're going to make a declaration. And just like last week, I just want to encourage you to stretch yourself. You know, sometimes if you don't hear from God, it's because God's calling you to do something new, do something different. So if while we're singing the fourth song, if God whispers in your ear, stand up, lift your hands, worship me, I'll speak to you. And for the love of Jesus, get on your feet. If he tells you to slip to your knees beside your chair, go for it. If he tells you to lay prostrate in the aisle, go for it. If he tells you to sit like a stick, be my guest. I just want to encourage you as a body. Will you, are you willing to trust God? Because I promise you, when we start singing, you're going to hear another voice. And the voice is going to say this, don't do anything weird. People are watching you. God's watching you. Papa, when are we going to learn as a church to care more about what God thinks than what people think? When are we going to learn that we're not singing to the crowd, we're singing to an audience of one? And God is He's inclining His ear to hear every word that comes out of our mouth. When are we going to repent of, of our, our passionless, dry, dusty worship that doesn't move anything? When are we going to just do something different as a way of saying, God, I'm so open to whatever. I wish I could tell you God will not do things that are weird. That has not been my experience. Don't let the voice of fear stop you from telling God how you really feel today. God, I'm hungry. So we're going to worship in that fourth song. In the fifth song, the, the ushers are going to come. We're going to give back to God our tithes and offerings. If you're visiting with us today, please, please, if you're a guest, let the offering pass you by. We don't want anything from you. We're so glad you came. I hope you'll come back. I hope I haven't freaked you out.
It's like, is he always like that? Yeah, somewhat. <laughs> well, we'll give back to God our tithes and our offerings. And all the way through both songs, God's going to keep speaking to us and asking us to do things that may be uncomfortable. Once again, are you going to listen to the voice of fear or the voice of God? One last piece. God convicted me of something while I was on my sabbatical. He said, Grant, it's time to stop using your introvertedness as an excuse to hide from people. In a very gentle, loving way, God said, get your butt back in the front seat and worship me with God's people. So I'll try and lead by example, and instead of running for the safety of backstage, I'll meet you in the front row.